Before we begin our show, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, MyFootballNow.com. If you feel like your team is managed by idiots and you think that you can do better, head over to MyFootballNow.com. It's the number one online-rated professional football management simulator. You become the owner and the general manager of a pro football team of your choosing. You can hire coaches, you can draft players, you can sign free agents, and you can also manage the salary cap and additionally put together your own game plan. You'll play against other players from around the world, and best of all, it's totally free to play. Build your dynasty now at MyFootballNow.com. Hey there, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Fake Pigskin Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Richard, and joining me, as always, is my co-host. That's Mr. Ron McLeese. So now we're going to the second round, guys. I feel like we've second been talking round. for three days. So this is great. This is a marathon. And the <laughs> listeners out there, I hope you have a long ride to work because this is going to be a long one. But, hey, you know what? You want it? You want this kind of content? We're giving it to you. So just listen. So, Ron, two, 201, who do we got? At 201, I have your number two running back pre-draft, and actually I was on board at number two also. At 201, we have Jay Ajayi. Jay Ajayi. Okay. How can As you guy, not like this guy? I mean, seriously. Uh, no. You want to yeah, leave I, I'm leading off. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a roll right now. I'm, Go I'm ahead. Hot right now. All right. <laughs> Jay Ajayi, okay, he fell way too he, – he fell low. Lower than we all expected. The knee is a concern. However, what people are not acknowledging, maybe they are, but for some reason they're fooling themselves. Lamar Miller's in the last year of his deal. Okay, after this year he's a free agent. So if Ajayi shows that he can be a guy, can be the guy, and the injury doesn't linger, bye bye Lamar Miller because he's going to want to get paid. That's what running backs do. He's going to go to the highest bidder because. Hey, let's face it, his window in the NFL is another three years probably. He's going to get paid. Ajayi will instantly be the starter in 2016. That's a prediction by me right now. He's going to be the starter in Miami. And you're going to get him a lot lower than before the draft. He was like a top five, top six, seven-ish rookie pick. And now he falls into the second round. Great value there. Be patient. Year one, he's not going to blow the cover off of it. Be patient. It's going to pay off big for you at the top of the second round, Jay Ajayi. Woo! <laughs> go ahead. Is it me? Is it me? Yeah, go ahead, Dan. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a lot of concerns about the knee for sure, and I am yeah, admittedly, so. I am, I am admittedly a little more bullish on a lot, uh, Lamar Miller, maybe stubbornly sore. So the guy's done nothing but be effective. Um, very highly effective for that matter. The more they give him, the more effective he is. So that whole situation has just been baffling for the last couple of years. You just, you know, and, and you can't feel good about that either. So I totally can buy into the, the, the Ajaye help hype, you know, as far as that goes. It's a, it's a, it's a good spot for him. I actually have, uh, um, Aguilar at 13. I think we kind of already touched on it as well. Um, certainly lower than most people will at this yeah, point. Like yeah. I said, I'll definitely, I'm looking at my top, you know, my top 12 and I'm having a hard time finding where I would put him above. I really am. Yeah. I, and so 
you know, having gone through all that, you know, I could maybe see sliding Winston down just because of his position. Um, you know, it's just easier to fill the quarterback need um, with him. And if we're talking big, big Ben, then we're talking, you know, a potential top five guy every single year, but there's about 10 or 12 of those guys in the league every single year. So, you know, it's not that difficult to find a quarterback, so I could maybe slide him up. Um, but I just like, uh, yeah, I'm not going to really go into Aguilar too much. We we talked about him for the most part. That's where I'm at. As far as uh, Ajayi, I have him a little lower, um, but that's because of what I already mentioned. I'm bullish on Miller. Um, I like your point about the free agency thing, and, I mean, teams are wising up to that. You know, the same situation um, could potentially play out in Washington, D.C. with Matt Jones, who was a nice sleeper in the third round. You know, very, you know, very good situation there. I mean, they've used and abused Elf Morris for, you know, a number of years now, and, it, you know, he is rightfully in line for a nice chunk, chunky payday based on his production. But the reality is, is running backs these days are a dime a dozen. And if you can get this, if you can get the production out of Elf Morris, there's no reason to think they can't get the production out of Matt Jones. They're going to try. They're going to see. They're going to see what he's all about this year. He's like I said, he's a good sleeper. And Elf Morris would be right out the door and Matt Jones is right in. And they'll probably buffer a couple of picks next year around him just to give him some competition and moving on. We can yep. keep paying our running backs a million bucks a year and keep the cap, you know, Just keep it rolling, yeah. pulling exactly. around and recycle running backs. It sucks to be a running back unless you're, you know, unless you're the, the best of the best, you know, right. it's, it's otherwise it's just not the market for him right now. So, all right. So then, yeah, going to 202, Ron, who we got. Well, I actually, I wanted to say one thing about Ajayi. Oh, no, yeah, sure. Before I, I we move on. Even, I forgot to include you. <laughs> I love this guy. Um, so yeah, the, the knee issues. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk a lot about that. But what I do think is this guy is gonna be, he's gonna play with a chip on his shoulder this year. I think him not getting, him falling to the fifth round, I think he's just gonna be so motivated to prove everybody else wrong, to prove these scouts wrong, to prove these other NFL teams. Every team that passed on him, the Dallas Cowboys, um, for example, I think he's just going to be so motivated that it's just going to burn like a fire. And I think this guy's going to really, he's going to really show something this year. And I think when he gets his opportunity, he's going to take it and he's going to run with it. And I think we could see like a, um, maybe like a Zach Stacy, Trey Mason type situation in Miami. Um, maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's just not good play from Lamar Miller. So I mean, I, I guess I'm on the other side where I'm just, I'm, I'm not a big Lamar Miller fan, so I, that's why I think this is an opportunity for Dynasty owners. I drafted him in an expert Dynasty League, a 14-team league at 114, and I actually felt like I stole him. But, again, we've talked about this a lot, so we, we can move on to the 202, which is actually your guy, Richard, Marcus Mariota. And I'll let you start off here. Oh, that, I know you got not, the numbers. You came prepared he, tonight. Yeah, he's not necessarily my guy, so to speak. Um, but, you know, he, he, he landed in a spot where I want to ask you guys, how many rushes do you think that this guy averages on a yearly basis? I'm just curious. It's a hundred, hundred-ish, maybe? I, I'm based on your stats and your smug demeanor right now. I would say, 
I would say it's probably far less than that. <laughs> no, well, no, I don't know that, that actually had nothing to do with the stat. Well, okay. it, it kind of right. does, but I would, I would say actual like planned rushes or actual just rushing attempts. Totally. Like, like technically, technically rushing attempts. Technically rushing. Yep. Um, yeah, I'd say a hundred. Yeah. All right. Well, Marcus Mariota, he's going to, he's going to t- Tennessee and you know, he, you have all these, you have all these running quarterbacks that have come into the league, Russell Wilson, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, uh, RG3. RG3. Yeah, I mean, they all have established running games, which really helped them a lot. Marcus Mariota does not. He's going to throw a lot more than he should until that running game gets fixed. Uh, but, however, he doesn't really make mistakes in terms of turning over the football interception-wise. So um, the interceptions don't really concern me. However, um I think he's just going to throw a lot more than he should. But, all right, here's where the stat comes in. Of all these running quarterbacks, Cam Newton, RG3, of all of them, uh, they've never gone under 5.2 yards of carry in and, 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 and any year that they've been around. And when they go over 100 carries, they haven't gone under 530 rushing yards. So, and also Marcus Mariota had the fastest 40 of all these guys except for Robert Griffin III. So, you know, I think that he—he's a dual-threat quarterback. It's just gonna—it's just gonna create a ton of value. Uh, you're gonna get him pretty late. I mean, to, to get a, a dual-threat quarterback like him, um, I, on Tennessee, I hope that I hope that they can use him properly. Philadelphia, he would have been probably the 101 because people would have just been friggin' like salivating as soon as it happened. But no, I like Mariota. Um, He's actually for redraft. He's my top-rated rookie in terms of fantasy points, which uh, I had to like really recheck that a few times. But yeah, I think at two hundred two, you're getting a dual-threat quarterback who's going to give you some rushing yards. He's going to throw a little bit more than he should, which is just going to lead to more production. So, yeah, oh. Dan, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I I have Mariota pretty close, so I'll I'll wait. Uh, to give my two cents on, on Mariota because we have them pretty close together here. He's coming up. Um, so I'll just, uh, well, actually, at my 2-2, I have uh, TJ Yeldon. Um, I'm not, that's basically how much weight I fact, you know, I, I already mentioned that I view him as kind of a weird runner, um, very hard to scout uh, for me, and I just couldn't really place him. So, um, as he fell further and further, at one point he was barely in my top 10 for running backs before the draft. And so putting him at 2-2 just goes to show you for me how much I am actually factoring in his landing spot uh, based on what I actually see and like about him on tape for my own personal um, for my own personal likes um, for what I'm looking for in a player. So we all need to talk about T.J. Yeldon, so I guess I will get my two cents on Mariota. I, I like the guy, too, um, for different reasons. I really don't like the idea of him starting game one. Um, Me either. I, I just so. think that's a mistake. Um, like all these other quarterbacks, yeah, you're right. I mean, dual threat, there's such an appeal there. Yep. Um, and he does have the size to be – you know, in my opinion, the exception, which would be more of your Cam Newton type, you know, dual threat quarterback. My concern is 
all the other dual threat quarterbacks that, you know, rely on their legs and get themselves into a new game speed and are so used to being able to outmaneuver the defense that the next thing you know, you got an ACL and you got, um, and you got injuries left and right. And now you have potential confidence factor in that mobility, which you're seeing with RG3. He doesn't trust it. Um, so there's a whole psychological, uh, you know, uh, mentality to it. This is all speculation and it's all could be, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda type situations. But that's the only thing that concerns me. I have no concerns based on what I know and have heard and have read about this guy for his ability to pick up any offense and actually be effective in any offense um, at some point in time. There are concerns that he came from such a specific, you know, more, to use the term I don't like, gimmicky offense in Oregon, you know, Oregon, you know, I think that's overblown as well, you know, and and so the kid clearly is not afraid to do work. He clearly has a ton of talent. I just think, unlike Jameis Winston, who I absolutely would say should be in week one, get mm. this guy in there immediately, let him adjust. What I'm afraid of is you're going to see Marcus Mariota running way more than he should. And yep. in the NFL, you're you're playing with freaking fire, and this could be a very short and – very, you know, unfortunate situation. And it's a, in my opinion, and based on recent history, it's actually a fairly good chance it happens. It's not, it's not a small percentage. It's, it's a decent percentage if he's out there from day one. So, you know, that is the only reason, you know, I think, you know, that, uh, the concerns that I have really is really just that aspect of it. I wish they would just say, you know, let's, Let's park the kid for a little bit, but not gonna a, happen. But I, as nope. a Dorio Beckham fan, I'm like, no, put the kid in right away. You know, like, yeah. Let these two, you know, let these two click right away, and we're gonna see something special happen. I, um, I mean, I will say, Omariota, you know, watching college film, he is more safer when he runs. He's more. He, he is the guy to slide or run out of bounds. He, yep. he is, as opposed to these other guys who. Like you said, just think they can outmaneuver defensive backs and safeties. No, he he does run and slide pretty pretty well too. I, I tend to agree with you uh, that there is there is a difference there. You know, there he's not a I guess a natural playmaking running back style quarterback. Right. You know, where, where their instinct is. You know, whether that's coming from just always being the best athlete on the field, no matter what they're doing from age six and up or whatever. Yeah. He's definitely got a slight, you know, edge to the quarterback factor. Like, I'm a quarterback. This is my role first. And, you know, he is smart enough to understand that self-preservation is a huge part of that position. So, and Tennessee's not going to let them forget it either. They got a lot of money in this kit now. So, um, so yeah, there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about Mariota, but that's just my main concern. And, you know, it's legitimate. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he could be out of the league in four years, but who knows. But, yep. Ron, 203, who we got? 203. We have, we have Coleman. We have okay. Tevin Coleman. Which is, <laughs> I, 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 I've talked a lot about him earlier. so Yeah, you know, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on Coleman, but, uh, you know, 
you know, the situation again, it's back to the situation in, in between him and Freeman. You gotta think that one of those two guys is gonna take the bull by the horns and in that offense, you already said all the numbers before Richard. I mean, it's, it's all about the uh, situation he's falling into and what Shanahan's done with running backs before that he's he, been under his wing. So I think you gotta feel good about the landing spot. And I just see, I just see him, his ADP just rising, 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 rising. Like, I think that's going to be like a trend from now until even keeper redraft leagues. I think he'll, he'll be, he'll be one of the top running backs selected along with probably, you know, the obvious guys like Gurley and, you know, Gordon. And I would say he should probably go before Yeldon, but I mean, that's again, in a redraft. That's we're, 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 this is a dynasty show. So I'll let you guys. I'll let Richard. You got anything else to say about him, or should we move on to? If I keep talking about Coleman, I'm gonna have an aneurysm. So I'll just give oh, it to Dan. Go to, yeah, let's go to Dan's too. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce somebody new who. If I was if I was braver, if I was even more bold than I already am, would probably be in my top seven or eight. Um, but he actually took a hit from his landing spot for me. Um, I honestly think he is potentially um, – he could oh, – Please be who I think it's going to be. Please. I don't know. Um, is uh, Tyler Lockett. Nope. Tyler Lockett. Oh, yes, man. so Tyler Lockett. Yes. Tyler Lockett is my personal favorite. In fact, I'm going to be doing his uh, uh, rookie impact article here sometime this weekend. Um, Bill just told me that. And uh, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm absolutely in love with Tyler Lockett um, as the honestly the best pure receiver in this entire draft. Um, he's undersized. He's Antonio Brown like. Um, he's absolutely uncoverable. Um, that's the best word that I can describe him. You watch his tape. He is simply uncoverable. Anything underneath, anything on timing routes, anything on comeback routes. His route tree is refined and his technique is subtle and the guy just simply knows how to get open. He is absolutely the best wide receiver option that Seattle has remotely had there. He has 4-4 speed, so he's going to keep defenses honest and play to Russell Wilson and Seattle's strengths in terms of the lynch, lynch, lynch bomb type offense that they run. And uh, my only concern for Lockett is the actual way Russell Wilson plays yeah. um, his, his, his style of route running and his type of advantage that he has on the field is more conducive to a traditional pocket passer who can see over the line of scrimmage and who can throw, you know, um, who can, who can just get the ball out quicker and doesn't necessarily need to be in space to be able to make those throws. Russell Wilson does have some disadvantages at quarterback and it's very clear by the way Seattle uses him, but you know, he's also extremely good at the way they use him and extremely effective. So it's not necessarily a knock. It's just something that really bummed me out to see Lockett go there when he could have been in a situation where this guy is going to be, this is going to be a nookie blanky situation for whoever takes us, you know, whoever takes this um, guy. And, and uh, so when he went to Seattle, I was just like, oh, geez, I'm not really feeling, uh, you know, I'm not really feeling it, but I'm so in love with Tyler Lockett and the way he plays that you know, as far as like pure wide receiver, he's the best in the class in terms of getting open. 
And I just, I just think that he's going to, you know, be a potential PPR and I'm crossing my fingers a little bit that they'll be able to make that work with real Wilson. I'm not a hundred percent sold at all. Otherwise I'd have him higher. So I have a, some stats on Lockett. I'll wait till when, when we have him. I'll, I'll wait to I'll wait to sure. uh, I'll wait to get into those. Unleash but, the beast. <laughs> yeah, but I that's the thing with Lockett. I think he's a stud. Just when he went to Seattle, it's like ah oh, God. It's mm-hmm. it just it didn't make any. It didn't make it made sense, but it didn't make sense because he should be with a guy. Like I'm trying to think of a while you were talking. I was trying to think of a team, but he needs to go to like. Atlanta, yeah, someone with someone with a with a you know more traditional pocket style quarterback, but with an outside threat already in place. Yes, like to complement. He needs to be a complement, not the feature. And right now, there's no complement in Seattle. I feel like they needed to address. They needed to address their true number one first. You know, it's it's a weird wide receiver dynamic in Seattle. It's just a really tough thing to yeah. get your hands on. Like you know? Pittsburgh would have been a pretty decent spot, I think. Martavis Bryant, Antonio Brown on the slot, Lockett on the outside mm-hmm. on the other you know, I think that, that right. would have been pretty pretty good, but sure. Uh that would have been a great spot. Yeah. So two oh four Ron. Two oh four. We have another one of your favorites. Buck oh, Allen. Buck Allen, Javorius. I I just I think you know again I like the landing spot. Fourth set he did sign uh, a three year deal. He'll be he I think he is or he will be thirty pretty soon. Um, we know how thirty year old running backs do. Uh, also towards the end of his deal, it doesn't really cost a lot to cut him, so that's not going to be too big of a concern. Um, and I think Buck Allen could be. You know, three down back. I think he could be that, and he can catch. And he's with Mark Tressman, who I think Matt Forte had like a ton of receptions last year. So obviously, Tressman and running backs is a good thing. And I think that I'm probably a little bit higher on him than most. A little bit of a Ravens bias, slightly. Uh, but I, I like, I just, I like the spot he landed in. That's just, just, that's just where I'm at with him. Dan, who do you got at 204? Uh, I got Mariota at 204. Um, okay. I don't really need to touch on him at all. And okay. I got Callen a little later. I can jump in on that one at that point. Sure. So we can speed her up. All right. We're on 205. 205. David Cobb. Yeah, so David Cobb. Yeah, like I said earlier, the running game isn't really established yet. Um, actually, Ron, I'll let you talk. I didn't even let you talk the last one. So no, no, you, that's you, fine. <laughs> you you talk I mean, about David Cobb. I think... If there's like a, a running back that was a higher riser, like from the say going back to the Senior Bowl to the Combine, I know Dan's not putting that much stock into that stuff, but I think you have to. I mean, until he hurt himself running a forty at the Combine, I think Cobb was just like shooting up draft boards, and I think he's definitely one of those guys that's still kind of flying under the radar um, as far as dynasty goes, because I think he really is a value where he's where you can actually get him. In, in the second round, because I think he's going to be a starter in that before week three or four. I think I'm calling week three, week four, somewhere in that neighborhood. I think David Cobb will be the number one running back in Tennessee. I just, I don't believe in Bishop Stanky. Never really did. Um, Ooh. I would call him more like Stanky. I love him. That, that smell is just, <laughs> oh man. I, I just, 
Cobb, okay, he's not great at, at one thing, but he's good at, at almost everything. Like, and that to me is a good running back. I would kind of compare him to, say, an Alfred Morris. Jeremy Hill. Well, yeah, an Alfred Morris that can actually catch the ball, you know. So that, that's why I like Cobb so much, because he can catch the ball. But he wasn't asked to do a lot of that in college, but he, he's definitely capable of doing that. And he's worked on that. So there's a lot of things about Cobb's game that and, and really get me excited. And the landing spot, they're looking for a running back to take the bull by the horns and take over that backfield situation. So I think he is the answer for them, and I think that's why they drafted him where they did. So, I mean, he's not a flashy guy, but, you know, he, he he's going to get the job done, and he's going to have an opportunity. Again, it's all about opportunity as a, as a rookie, and he's going to get the opportunity. One sentence, and then I'll go to Dan. Jeremy Hill, Gio Bernard 2.0, that's all I'm saying. Watered-down version of it. Dan, 205, what you got? Yeah, I, I like the watered-down version of it at the end there because I think uh, – I think both those guys have better upside than both the guys um, in Tennessee as oh, well. Yeah. I'm a Minnesota guy, so of course I love David Cobb, and I've you know been watching him now for a couple of years and um, watching Gopher games. Just incredible balance for such a big guy. Um, he is really fun to. I mean, just when you want to label him a plotter or a, you know a boring every down you know just a boring four or five yard back he does something very special and uh so i i can easily yeah i don't think there's any question at all he's the one two back and bishop sankey is another guy that had no business being an every down back in my opinion um i had serious concerns about him coming out of college he's a tap dancer he's a hesitator and he's a bouncer outsider and that's a technical term. And he, uh, you know, he, and, and you can't get away with that in the NFL unless you are uh, LaShawn McCoy yeah. and can prove it year in and year out. Tamp dancing is going to get your ass benched and it's going to get your ass benched quick. And so Bishop Sankey needs to show less hesitation and they need to use him in his strength, which is he's a hell of a pass catcher. He's a great receiving back. And they used him none of the time doing that last year. And that was an absolute shame. So there's no excuse at this point why they can't feature those two backs together. Um, I actually have Devin Funches at uh, 2.05. Um, I like the landing spot. I think I tweeted out when Carolina took him. Well, that just cements the fact that uh, Cam Newton will never have to develop into an actual NFL quarterback for the rest of his career um, with that pick. Because now the guy just simply has twin towers that he can throw the ball somewhere in their general vicinity and let his lack of accuracy and actual quarterback development just hide itself under the sh- in the shade of these two oak trees on the outside that he has. Both physical freaks, both with a few question marks. Um, Devin Funches, certainly more of a hybrid type guy. Um, 40 speed turns you off a little bit, but don't mistake that for this guy not being a freak athlete because he absolutely is a freak athlete. Yeah. And he's better. He's actually a better pure receiver than, um, you know, Kelvin Benderman, who actually does have some hands issues, not focus issues, actually has hands issues. It's not horrible, but they are there. They are there. Yep, yeah. and they are there. So, you know, uh, Carolina definitely has addressed its long over, you know, weighted wide receiver issue and they got some nice big, you know, playmaking options. Um, 
it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic, but I could see both wide receivers pushing, a, you know, 1,100 yards, both wide receivers pushing 10 touchdowns, uh, split kind of down the middle. And uh, this is definitely going to help Cam's value as well. Um, I would have loved to see Devin Funches in a tight end role uh, to beat a, um, more of a Jordan Reed, uh, Aaron Hernandez type yeah, yeah. receiving role. Um, I think he would have been absolutely lethal, lethal. He would, have, he would have role. murdered it. Like he would have man. murdered it. The guy is so freaking deadly underneath. He's ah, so deadly in the tight end role. All these murder and, playoff words with him. Yes. Name. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. My bad. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, you know, he would have absolutely crushed it. And, you know, my concerns for Devin Funches are just simply his lack of separation as an outside wide receiver. But again, like Jalen Strong, that's not his game, man. He's five, he's six five and he's got a 38 to 40 inch vertical. He's going to out muscle you. He's out going to out jump you most of the time. The separation comes with the ball when it, when it's a jump ball and that's when he'll get his separation. He's never going to bust out a great route and be wide open from a high end wide you know, NFL cal quality quarterback or even a safety for that matter. That's just not his game. So I'm coming around a little bit on Funches. I really wanted to see him in the tight end role, but who knows? They might work him into that as well. He has yeah. experience playing that, and a creative coordinator should do that. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure what Funches is. That's my problem with him. Um, he, he, I just, I, I, I don't know what he is. He's like a hybrid. I, I don't know what position he would be better suited at. Probably tight end, but. Yep. Run, uh, 206. 206, Amir Abdullah. Yeah. Um, and I'll, do you want to talk about him, Ron, or do you want me to? It doesn't matter. Well, me, I think we're a little bit lower than the industry on yep. Amir Abdullah, and I think there's a couple of reasons that we are lower on him. It's because we're probably higher on Bell than some of the other, you know, guys yeah. out there. And, and another reason, too, is, you know, Dan's been saying it all night long, I mean, to me, uh, you know, Amir Abdullah is that same type of uh, running back, like an Andre Ellington, that is not going to be built to withstand, you know, 15, 20 carries a game. He's that C.J. Spiller type guy that, you know, if he gets out there, he he can break one. He, you know, he can be gone in a second. But he's not a guy you're going to want to give high volume carries to, and his body's just not going to hold up. So I mean, I guess that's my misconnect with Amir Abdullah, and I like the landing spot. But at the same time, I think Bell's established. You know, you know what you're going to get from this guy, and Abdullah is just that, you know, change of pace back that can definitely break the big one. And if he gets the opportunity, I guess if Bell does get hurt, then yeah. But we can say that about pretty much any running back on this list. You know, round one, round two. So situation wise, it's a nice situation to go into. But there's also other pieces to that puzzle right now that are still kind of. You know where do where do they fit? In the, where does he fit in this puzzle? So that 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 to me that to me is my main concern. But I'll let one of you guys, Richard. Yeah, I mean with Joy Bell, you know the yards per carry isn't sexy. You know it's it's obvious. I mean he you know three point nine back to back years. It's not very good. He's he's more tight end. He's more touchdown dependent rather um, than he is in terms of his yardage and whatnot. I mean I just I'm a believer in Joy. He's still going to be relevant. And call me crazy, I just can't dismiss Theo Riddick. 
I mean, the dude can flat out catch out of the backfield. And I, I, I mean, Amir Abdullah is a superb athlete, really small hands, which is weird. Uh, but I just, I <laughs> don't forget Zach Zenner either. Uh, uh, yeah, Zach Zenner, you know, Mr. Sparkman. But I just, you know, I, I think Joyke's still relevant. Um, I think Amir Dula does fill, fill the Reggie Bush role to a degree. Um, I just, I would take these other running backs over him. And Dan, who do you have at 206? Uh, I have, uh, my boy Max Williams at 206. Um, All right. it's, nice. you know, I can't justify taking a tight end any earlier than that. I mean, it's just such a tough position to transition into. I mean, the, the real strategy for drafting a tight end is, you know, draft them to not use them. Um, but, but, uh, you know, like a guy like Ebron or Eifert or these, you know, you can, the list goes on and on. Again, the move is to get them a year or two later after their owner is frustrated with them. But the reality is, is a tight end takes three years to develop typically in the NFL. It's probably the hardest position to develop into offensively from a fantasy football and production standpoint. Um, that said, I love this. I love, I love, I love the pick. I love the location. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that Max Williams is just a raw beast of a receiver and playmaker at that position. It's very much like a Dereal Green Beckham situation. I don't give a shit about the guy's routes. That's not what he's there to do early on. Okay. This is going to be, I wouldn't be surprised if Max Williams outproduced frickin' Rashad Perriman year one because the opportunity is there. It's going to be close in my opinion. I think this is actually a situation where you're going to see good production out of a year one tight end because they know what they got. They're not drafting him to block. He will block and he'll do it somewhat well, but they're drafting him to be a receiving playmaking tight end, which is exactly what Max Williams is. And he's, he's going to be good. He's going to be really good. He's got two X's on his name for Christ's sakes. Yeah, Max. He's going to throw up the X twice. <laughs> <in there. laughs> No, I, you know, I'll piggyback off of Max Williams with a little, little stat here. So, there's only been two tight, two rookie tight ends. Now, this is where you mentioned they don't, they don't translate year one. They, a couple of years and then you get them when the owner's frustrated. So, if you're a tight end owner out there and you're going to give up on Max Williams after year one, you shouldn't. Here's why. Only two tight ends since, two rookie tight ends since 2007 have had 75 or more targets in their rookie season. That's John Carlson and Jermaine Gresham. And only one has had 55 or more catches. That's John Carlson with 55 in 2008. So when John Carlson is the best rookie tight end since 07, don't put a lot of stock into their first-year production. Give these guys time to develop and just be patient, for Christ's sakes. Okay? So I played I play golf with, I've, with John Carlson Sr., his dad, actually. Did you? Really? Yeah. Yep. Well, his yeah. son. His son is a pretty damn good rookie tight end. There you go. Yes, exactly. I'll let him know that. All I'll right. Say it's a direct quote. Yep. <laughs> Tell him that Richard. Richard from Fake Pigskin said that. Cool. Yeah. So two oh seven. Ron, we're, we're winding down here. This marathon of a podcast. This is more yeah, like no, a. Like... I don't know what this is. This is even a podcast. <laughs> we should have a, We should have had an intermission, right? <laughs> no. uh, f- f- 207, we have Philip Dorsett, 
And this is one of those picks where I think we can all agree we're sitting there watching the draft, and when the Colts announced this pick, or the commissioner announced this pick for the Colts, I think we all almost fell out of our chair. Um, as far as the landing spot, yeah, it's just kind of like, okay, the Colts had so many needs, and this is what they decided to do with that pick. Um, as far as the player goes, I love Philip Dorsett. I think this maybe has more to do with, as far as a long-term dynasty outlook, I, I love the pick. And, again, this is a dynasty show, so we have to focus on that. Um, as far as team needs, yeah, it's a questionable pick. But I think all the other pieces there, I mean, Andre Johnson's not getting any younger. He's 34. We have to, we have to consider that. We, have to, we also have to consider that these other pieces they have, maybe they just don't believe in, like Moncrief and Carter may just be a guy they signed. Just, and he may not even make the team. Who knows? So we can't count on anything right now, but we can't count on them sticking to their guns. As, as they said, as they, I'm quoting them, we took the best player on our board, and that was Phil Dorsett. So i got to give him credit there if that's the way you see things. And if Hilton in the last year of his contract is not you know, in the big picture for them, then I really love Dorsett and Dynasty. So, yeah. My quick little tidbit. Yeah, Hilton, free agent after this year. Andre Johnson's getting older. Uh, Deron Carter, I don't even factor him in. He's only got 20000 bucks guaranteed. He could be cut, no problem. Exactly. Screw him. You know, uh, Dorsett's the type of guy you need to get him, you need to give him the ball in space. He's not a deep threat guy like everybody thinks he is. You need to give him the ball in space. A little 15 yard go route and he's gone. You know, that, that's what he's, that's what I think he's gonna be best at. So, yeah, I just think right now you just gotta see, there's too many variables for him to become fantasy relevant. And so that's why he's lower for me. Dan, who do you got? I got Philip Dorsett. Boom. Boom. I wrote the, uh, I wrote the rookie profile on him this year. And yeah, he's a, he's a, he was a tough one to get a beat on statistically. So you really had to watch his tape. And there's a lot of things I like about him. Um, it is obviously it's a very interesting pick. Uh, yeah, you guys pretty much touched on everything. I, I, I can't imagine with the success that T.Y. Hilton has had in that offense with Andrew Luck and, and that they would let they go would him loose next year. You know, I, I just have a really hard time with that argument. Like this, this is a guy you would want to invest in. Um, he'll probably demand 10 mil a year, you know, um, but that's probably fair. Um, maybe that is the holdup. Maybe, you know, I, I, you know, is Andrew Luck ready for an extension now? I yeah, don't even, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that could be a potential issue they're looking at. They're going to have to break the bank for that guy. So maybe, maybe that is their angle, and maybe Ty is on the way out. It never hurts to have too many Ty Hiltons on your team. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but uh, and I'm never going to write anybody in the Colts' offense off um at all um Moncrief is a huge project he's a year three guy so you're gonna see a lot of the same from him this year he'll pop up occasionally here or there um but uh so I just don't think I have door set high enough where I'm ever gonna end up with him in a draft There's there's too many people that like him more than I do and that is too much of a cluster you know what of a situation uh for me to just get too excited about um, I can hear the argument that he's a first round pick. He's automatically going to get some sort of priority. They're not drafting him to not use him. 
Um, it's just one of those situations where it's almost impossible to imagine the scenario where there's a consistent production and a consistent option with all the other things that are already going on there. They even have a better, the Indy has a better running game this year too, so they're gonna probably run the ball a little bit more. Yeah. I'm expecting huge numbers exactly. from Frank in PPR yeah. leagues and, and, and yeah, I mean that guy should be a top 10 back this year, assuming he can hold up one more year. And so. I just don't get it. I mean the Colts draft a speed receiver when speed isn't gonna let you beat the Patriots in the playoffs. You need, they should have taken Malcolm Brown, the Patriots pick. That's what should have. Yep. So they should have taken, but defense or offensive line. Yeah, they know? needed trenches. That's where they're. Yep. That's where they're terrible. The trenches. They're like average to below average in the trenches, and that's where they should have went. But they took another speed receiver, and I have no idea why. Um. So yeah, uh, Ron, what what pick are we at now? Is that the two hundred eight we're at now? Two hundred eight. Max, Max Williams, which we just talked about a lot. So I'll let you say whatever you want about Max Williams. I mean, it's obvious, Richard, that we all know. We I think we can all agree this is a, the hands down number one tight end. Uh, Dan chewed it up pretty good. I mean, he chewed all the meat off the bone, um, and he should because a Minnesota boy, right? Um, but actually, yeah. I actually thought we had Duke over Max. No? Did we? Oh no, you. You're right. You're right. We switched that up. That was we had Duke at two oh we switched we had originally had Max at two oh eight and we switched put Duke Johnson at two eight. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I mean Duke at two oh eight I me per I would actually probably if I'm if I'm in a draft, I'd probably take him probably a little higher. Yeah. But this is where this is where he fell for me. I mean I just I think that he's the most talented back. We talked about him a little bit earlier. I think he's the most talented back. I think that he can get 170 carries a year. I think that that's, you know, uh, he's, like you said earlier, Dan, if David Johnson didn't exist, he'd be the best pass catching back in this draft. Um, and I think that, you know, that offensive line in Cleveland's good. I think that he's going to be, the only problem I have with Duke Johnson is that I don't know if he'll, will he reach a thousand yards? Well, you know, will he do that? I think it's like a 700, 800, six touchdown yearly thing for Duke Johnson until, you know, something happens where the running backs disperse, or I don't know what, but I just I don't see him as a thousand yard rusher right now. Uh, I think he could be. It just there's so many runners there, and then you factor in who the quarterback will be. It could be JFF, as people like to call him, Johnny Football. Uh, so that's my only problem with Duke. But I lo- I love him, love him. He was my number three running back. So yeah, and I. I would agree with you, Richard. I think we're a little low on him. I think he should definitely, in a real draft, I think he should definitely go higher. Um, and I, I have a confession to make. I actually took him over David Johnson and Cobb in a real draft on Saturday night, and I was You're psychotic, uh, Ron McLeish. Yeah, it was crazy, you know. But you know, to me, I see Crowell as like one bad like night out away from you know doing something to jeopardize his whole career. Um, so don't trust Crowell to be there long term. And I think West, he serves his purpose. But you know this guy, I mean, there's a reason why he he was drafted. They they took this guy, and I believe they see a Giovanni Bernard type running back in him. And he's gonna he's gonna be that pass catching running back that they need in the out of their backfield. And he's also he's lightning in a bottle. I mean, this guy, what's impressive is he he broke. The rushing record for Miami, all he's uh, Miami's all-time rushing leader. Now, if you think about that for a second, and the guys that came before him, Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, Edron Ed- James. I mean, 
that to me is just amazing that he, you know, he was better than all those guys. Maybe they didn't stay in school as long, but still, at the end of the day, this kid can pretty much do it all, and, and I, I love him. So Frank Gore definitely doesn't have a college degree. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's just no way. No. Even if he, even if he has one, there's just no way. <laughs> just no it way. <laughs> but, but seriously, at the end of the day, I see the Cleveland Browns are going to do exactly the same thing that the St. Louis Rams are going to do, and they're going to run the football. Because what else can they do with the quarterback situation they have and the wider receivers they? How many terrible wide receivers do they have? Like fourteen. I mean, seriously. Ryan Hartline, uh, Wayne Bow. The list continues. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, though, I'll let Dan uh, have the floor. Um, We were at what? We're we're losing track. Two oh nine, right? Two nine. Two oh nine. Two eight. Two eight. Because I jumped ahead. Uh, Yeah, and. yeah, just piggy, just one more thought on Duke Johnson. Every year I seem to have one under, you know, quote unquote undersized running back that I feel is that exception to the potential rule. That 200 pound, you know, that it's almost like 215 to 20 pound rule for me. If you're in that 210, 205 area, I feel like you could hold up, but the odds are not in your favor. And based on running style. So like last year, uh, for me, if I had to pick a back that I feel truly could hold up to a lead back role, it would be Devontae Freeman because of the way he's built and the way he runs. He's not built up top. He's an oak tree below the waist, you know, and, and so I feel like he has the, the, you know, the power or the, the ability to be that. Duke Johnson is the guy this year that I feel has an outside chance of working himself into you know, a potential every down role based on his success early on in a third down role. And so I'm, I'm holding out a little bit of hope for that, but he would be my prediction of all the smaller backs to be the one who could actually develop into that and survive on an NFL level in that role. Um, my pick here is Javar, Javorius Allen. Um, I like the landing spot too. I think he's a super underrated pick this, this year. He was underrated going into the draft period. Um, he, you know, again, I have stigmas versus USC offensive skill position players in general <laughs> translating to the NFL. Um, so I still have to get over that, but I like the way this kid plays. He is very solid across the board. He's got great explosion off, you know, um, uh, he's a good receiver, good pass protector. Good runner. He runs tenaciously downhill. He's aggressive. Uh, the opportunities there clearly in Baltimore. Uh, we all are happy for set got a deal. The dude totally earned it. I'm glad to yeah. see he got paid on some level. All yeah. that dude has done has been a journeyman and be effective everywhere he's gone, you know? And so it's nice to see him there, but by no stretch of the imagination. Does this guy have a stranglehold on anything in Baltimore? And it's clear that they're putting youth and rebuilding around Joe Flacco for another run. They're not looking for set to lead them to the Super Bowl. They're looking for Javarius Allen to lead them to their next Super Bowl at this point. So it, to me, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yeah, I wish we took a Jai. And literally, I think, honestly, after this podcast, we're like literally fourth cousins. Well, I mean, we can all say that. I mean, we're, 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 I'm looking at the Skype time here and I'm like, 
Wow. I don't think I've ever yeah. talked to a to a couple of dudes longer than tonight. <laughs> it's a brotherhood now. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do another show to talk about all the other stuff, you know? Yeah, I hope we that just people... Got, we just got to make it through two rounds at this point. I hope that people actually <laughs> listen to this full thing, because they'll have a good time, I think. It is. I, I, I think that we uh, tried to keep it entertaining, but yes, we actually have some Twitter questions to get to, by the way, at the end of this. Okay. So, yeah, right so, right so, right. so we'll keep going then. Yeah, so we got, <laughs> right, so we got 2 9. We have Max Williams talked about him. Dan, you go 2 9. All right. Uh, Ajaye at 2 9. Um, again, admitted a Mar- Lamar Miller fan. I have more concerns about the knee not passing multiple yep. physicals, which is a red flag. I can, it concerns me far more than like a girly ACL situation because there's no real clear indication of what potentially would be the, the, the setbacks there. So, okay. so 210, we have, uh, Tyler Lockett. Again, okay. it's, it's just the situation, you know. Yep. I'm looking at it, and people are like, oh, he's going to take over that Golden Tate role. Okay, well, let's really look at what the Golden yeah, Tate exactly. role was, yeah. okay? Hold yeah. on, hold on. Yeah. Add some numbers for us. I have some numbers. <laughs> so this, so people are like, oh, my God, Tyler Lockett's going to take over the Golden Tate role. All right, well, this is what the Golden Tate role is, okay? In the two years that Golden Tate was with Russell Wilson, he averaged 79 targets, for 55, 55 receptions, 793 yards, and six touchdowns. Whoop-de-doo. You know, that's the yeah. Golden Tate role is, like, so overemphasized. It's not even that big of a deal. Golden Tate's yeah. so much better off in Detroit, you know. that's. I mean, yeah. I, that's the problem I have with Lockett. I think he's a stud wide receiver, but his 60 catches is, like, his ceiling in this offense. And also, those numbers I just said there about Golden Tate – Jimmy Graham didn't exist then with Seattle. Yeah, for sure. So, yep, exactly. you know, and Baldwin, yep. Baldwin's getting better. They have Chris Matthews, who's emerged. So it's just I don't really know what he's going to do statistically sure. on a year-in, year year-out basis, but I love the receiver himself. Yeah, for sure. And, and that is, I mean, that's just such a bummer. Um, I just, I'm so bummed out about that situation. But, you know, I'm hoping the only the only silver lining is that Lynch is getting up there. Wilson is becoming more of a quarterback, a more passing quarterback, more, you know, I just yes. I think there could be there could be very well shifting towards, you know, the pass a little more and Hopefully. a little more and a little more. And I think that's the transition we're going to start seeing slowly. I don't think it's going to be very dramatic at this point, but I do think that over the next two or three years, they're, you know, they know that Lynch, they can't keep using Lynch like this. You know, it's, 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 it's very unlikely anyway. And it would be nice to see them work in Kristen Michael as well and work in, you know, um, some of this other talent that we've all been waiting to see behind, you know, Lynch for a while. So who knows? It, it, I agree. He's, he's an absolute stud of an actual wide receiver. In, in the right situation, he's got Antonio Brown written all over him. I'm still holding out hope because he's, you know, I have a little man crush on him. Yeah, and it just, it just real quick, you know, you said that they're going more towards a pass offense. Russell Wilson did have 45 more attempts last year than he did in 2013, so those are gradually going up with Jimmy Graham and now Lockett in the fold. Maybe he has more attempts, hopefully. Yeah. 
I would I would say I I think we'll see more attempts, but I don't think like I said I don't think it's going to be drastic. Maybe another forty five, you know, type deal. Russell yeah. Wilson with five hundred attempts scares me. I don't know why. <laughs> it just yeah. doesn't seem right that Russell Wilson's throwing the ball five hundred times a year. But that's you know that's the world we live in. I guess um, <laughs> anything uh, can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. yeah so so who's your yeah, you're 210. 210 is Abdullah for me. Yeah. Um, I'm just not buying whatever, I'm just not buying what everybody else is with the landing spot, the undersized, the issue, the fumbling issues, the role. Theo Reddick is a great wide res- or, uh, receiving back. I don't see why he's not the Reggie Bush role versus Abdullah. At yeah. This point. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he serves the purpose. He serves the role perfect, uh, perfectly. And so I'm also more on the Joy Bell bandwagon as well. I, I think he's a solid every down back. Um, you know, uh, Barry Sanders is admittedly my favorite all-time player uh, ever, you know, in basically anything other than Jordan. And, you know, so there's little glimpses of maybe that, you know, that yeah. small ball scat back in Detroit thing that kind of puts glitter around my head and distracts me from what I see. Um, at times, and uh, that offense is certainly decent, and it's a decent landing spot, but there's nothing for me to get too excited about there. And, you know, people are going to take – I mean, the, he's going 07, 08 in a lot of drafts, and there's just no way I'm going to take him there. Yeah. Agreed. So our, our 211, Ron, I'm going to let you announce it, but this is by far – I am by far the biggest fan in the history of the planet of this guy. Ron, okay. announce him. Who is it? Justin Hardy. I'm pretty sure that Richard has a Justin Hardy fathead that he sleeps with every night. That That's at least what I hear. That's if the world of the streets. If it existed, I would. I love Justin Hardy so much. The dude is a chain mover. The dude, he's an all-time FBS reception leader. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Ryan Broyles when he was coming out of college. I know that Ryan Broyles isn't necessarily a good NFL wide receiver, but it's a, you know. He never really got a chance to be. He never really true. had a chance. That's true. Yeah, so, but point. I love Justin Hardy and the landing spot is phenomenal in Atlanta. It's pretty but, good. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, so Roddy White signed a three-year deal last year. He's 33 years old. Like, um, for set, he's an inexpensive to cut if he doesn't produce. But he's also said, he's gone on record saying that he, I think I can play two or three more years. So after he's done, Justin Hardy. And Roddy White's been on the injury report often. Julio Jones has had some injuries. Uh, he missed a good part of, I think it was 2013. Um, I think it was with a foot injury. Uh, so Hardy's literally, I, I mean, I don't want to wish injury on anybody, but he's an injury away from being really <laughs> really productive, really relevant. Yeah, really relevant. No, exactly. That's a good. That's a good pick. And I, I admittedly haven't looked at that situation maybe as closely as I should have. Um, but you're absolutely I right. Have. I have. It's my Bible. Yeah, he's, he looks like a great replacement for Roddy White. Um, traditionally, Roddy White is not injury prone at all. Last year was a complete anomaly traditionally, but you can't deny the age factor in that, and you have to wonder if it is going to be a continuing trend at age 33. He's been know? on the injury report often, I guess. That's what yeah. I meant to yeah. say. I mean, he's always playing, um, but yeah, I mean, he really struggled last year, and he could just never get on top of, 
you know, that injury. And yeah. that is a reflection of being 33. And so, you know, um, and Julio Jones has a long history of lower leg injuries, which is yeah. why he's ever been, you know, able to crest, you know, really the top of that elite category for me. And that's always been the reason why is, um, you know, is that lower leg injury issues. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I totally see your point on that. I need to give, uh, admittedly need to give Justin Hardy a little more, um, a little more look. I have him probably too low. People are hating, uh, people are hating on him, but this is my, that's yeah. my boy. Okay. He is, yeah. he is my yeah. best friend. He doesn't even know it, but we're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> Love the guy. Love him. If you want to see just, if you just want your jaw to drop, go watch his college film against Cincinnati. I think he had like 24 catches or something insane. Yeah. It was just That's crazy, amazing to watch. Um, yeah, I got uh, I got David Cobb in Tennessee um, yeah. just because I'm not uh, I'm not ruling out you know the possibility of a pretty 50 50 split there. Um, I go back and forth on Cobb all the time. I see the appeal, and at the same time, I see a back like Bernard Pierce who could get shuffled to the back uh, any given week, any given year, any given draft class. Um, I think he'll be a very effective back at the next level. I probably could have him a little higher as well. Um, but, again, I mean, it's it's just tough to see who you would bump down um, at this point. Exactly. So, David Cobb. Yeah, David Cobb. All right, and to round out, I can't even believe we're saying this. To round <laughs> out our second round, who who do we got, Ron? We've got Matt Harmon's guy, Devin Smith, and he oh. actually he actually sold me on Devin Smith. I'll be honest with his perception reception uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean the landing spot's not good. We all know that, and the quarterback situation is even worse. But I guess. If you want to look at the glass half full, you know, he, he, he is a good prospect and I think he has more to his game than just that, um, deep ball. Because, you know, at Ohio State, they didn't ask him to do that much other than the, just the deep ball. But only time will tell, but I do like Devin Smith as a, where, where you can get him in dynasty drafts. And I think if you can just afford to sit him on your bench and, and you don't expect anything from him this year, um, Kind of like, well, I wouldn't put them in the same um, phrase as Jalen Strong, but I would say they're kind of similar in that, you know, you you can't expect that much year one from them. And that's I dug, basically what I would say. Yeah, no, that that's a good point. But I, so I dug into this a little bit further, and here's my last stat mini rant. So actually, the quarterback situation for the Jets isn't that if if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, it's really not that bad. Ryan Fitzpatrick was really productive under Chan Gailey in Buffalo, and Devin Smith is a is a big play guy. That's what we all know Devin Smith to be. And you know, I'm not really a fan of him. Matt Harmon made a good point when we had him on the show. He's the best player available to me at this point. However. This is this is uh, one thing I noticed with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and a Chan Gailey a Chan Gailey tandem. In 2010, under Chan Gailey, Fitzpatrick was tied for second in the league in passes of 20. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna think of how to phrase this. Um, he was tied for second in the league on dropbacks in which he threw the ball 20 yards plus at 15.9 percent of his dropbacks. So. 
They, there were 70 total attempts of 20 plus yards, six touchdowns total. With Changale, he averaged 60 attempts a season of 20 yards or more. Um, but Devin Smith is a much different deep threat than Fitzpatrick's ever had. I mean, who were the real deep threats while he was in Buffalo? So that right there is, is something to look at. And you know, Gailey, uh, I guess, likes to fling it a little bit with Fitzpatrick. At least he did in 2010. I don't know what that means for 2015. But it was just a little tidbit I found that I figured I'd want to share with you gentlemen this evening. So <laughs> We have enjoyed them all night long. Yeah. Definitely, man. You brought the thunder tonight, man. You did, man. No question. Um, yeah, no, that's, uh, you know, I, I have Devin Smith just a couple spots down from that. Um you know, or basically pick two of round three. Um, you know, you can't deny the guy's physical attributes. He's an athletic freak. And the the landing spot, in my opinion, is not as bad as it looks. Um, things are changing in New York, and they're going to yeah. change very rapidly. Um, and you have a couple of really good wide receivers in, you know, Brandon Marshall and uh, Eric Decker who are going to take these guys under their wing. You got another Big Ten wide receiver in Eric Decker. They're going to be able to bond. And Brandon Marshall has become quite the – you know, mentor and all around good, you know, veteran presence on a team and has already mentored one really young stud wide receiver. So that situation's not nearly as bad as, uh, as we, as we think it is. Um, my last pick is, uh, you know, another kind of uh, fan favorite in certain circles and Please it's don't. maybe. Please it's don't a, say who it is. Uh, Trey McBride is my okay. uh, right, is, right. is uh, actually my two twelve, and I love his location in Tennessee. Um, I actually love the combination of the real Green Beckham and uh, Trey McBride. In my opinion, it's what Seattle should be doing type situation. You're finding nice yeah. compliments, and you have Mariota who now has an underneath bailout and now has an over the top bailout two young wide receivers who are going to have chemistry with this new quarterback. These are going to be the two guys in Tennessee. Yeah, again, this offense is very premature. This, you know, this, this offense is very raw. It's very new, um, but there's a lot to like there. The upside of these three players is very good, and they have a decent enough running game to actually start developing this offense. And so you're looking at a chain mover. You're looking at a playmaker. You're looking at um, a, a quarterback who can keep plays alive long enough to utilize both of those players. And I think he is going to be in a position where, you know, where uh, um, he's going to he's going to be effective year one. I think he's going to come in and push uh, uh, Kendall Wright for everything he's got. And, you know, depending on the chemistry and, and how things work out there could easily replace him because of the new quarterback situation. So I like his I, I think he's as good as. You know, as uh, any of these chain movers, any of these slot guys, any of these, you know, any of these uh, possession wide receivers. And I just like his situation a little better than the rest of them. Yeah, real quick, Seattle should have taken Jalen Strong. And number two, I thought you were going to say Chris Conley, so I was. I'm yeah. glad you didn't. I'm glad you didn't. But. We got some. We got some love for Conley over at the warehouse. Bill Servi loves him, has always loved him. Uh, Sean um, Kirby, our IDP guru over there, likes Conley as well. They're not as sold on the death of wide receivers in Kansas City as a lot of us are. I am completely sold on the death of wide receivers in Kansas City. <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with anybody other than Travis Kelsey in Kansas City, as long as Alex Smith is quarterback. Right. So we'll get to, to some Twitter questions, and then I, I 
I can't believe it, but we're we're done. I, it's past my bedtime. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you, <laughs> you up so late, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> this is every good? night for Richard and I. So, so. Are, you, are you good for some Twitter questions, Dan? Yeah, for sure, man. All right, let's just let's let's run through this these. Up. Let's do so, this. So this is Bill Scully. He's at bscully121. He asks, thoughts on Calvin in 2015-16 compared to Evans and Evans for Calvin-A Robinson. So I think what he's asking... Evans for Calvin and A-Rob, basically. And, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I know Bill Scully pretty well. Um, I've helped him um, consulted on a lot of uh, some moves and uh, through Twitter and email and stuff like that. And if I remember right, this is a rebuild team that he actually wrote a full testimonial article on. He got a dispersal draft team, and we completely just destroyed the rebuild. I mean... We took shit and made it gold. He ended up third in his league, and now he's got by far the strongest roster, and that's why he can, you know, at this point, he's been asking me Evans questions all, you know, all off season, and I could go either way with this team. I think Calvin's probably the better play for a year or two, you know, more if you're just looking at pure upside, and certainly out adding Allen Robinson as a potential number one in ball, and you know. And, uh, you know, Jacksonville is a good option as well. But at the same time, there's just something about Mike Evans that, you know, I, I don't know from a dynasty perspective, he's sexy as hell right now. And, you know, even though his production is probably going to be less, I just have a hard time giving that guy up at all. So I could see, I could see it either way, uh, depending on roster. I think the value is clearly on the Kelvin side, yeah, but, I was gonna say, but yeah. the sex appeal is on the Evan side. Yeah, I, I would, I would, from a value standpoint, I take Calvin and A Rob, but I can understand the sex appeal aspect of it. Absolutely, which, especially which, with a loaded roster, which he has. You know, yeah. there's no real pressing urge to get rid of that guy. You yeah, know? there's no roster context here, so we're just going. Exactly. To, yeah, exactly. so I just yeah. have. To, you just happen to know. <laughs> so, Ron, which side do you take, man? I, I'm an A-Rod. I, I like Allen Robinson this year. I think that's he's going to be one of the breakout uh, wide receivers this year, and that's why I would probably do the trade because, I mean, like you said, I, I can see both sides, but at the end of the day, yeah. if I'm trying to add two nice pieces, like Calvin Johnson and Allen Robinson, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I take yeah, that side. I agree. I I agree. I think you got to pull the trigger on that deal. You're not losing any production. You got the same upside with Kelvin for at least another year or two, and you're potentially putting another Mike Evans type guy on your roster. Not the same style of play, just potential upside in his own right. So the next question comes from Ryan. I'm going to butcher this last name. Kenya, Kenya. It's at he's at Ryan Hanlon eighty. He's over at uh. Uh, I think it's the fantasy football couch coach. He asks, uh, who, uh, which rookie running back is this year's Jeremy Hill? So I think basically what he means is a guy who doesn't start off the year and then comes on and just destroys the world. So, um, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I kind of took the context too. It was like, well, Jeremy Hill was, you know, a pretty well respected prospect last year, but yeah. he definitely wasn't at the top of most people's lists. Exactly. Um, and so I was kind of like, all right, well, who this year is kind of still well-respected but not at the top of most people's list that is potentially going to come on and explode, and I'm going to stick with my guy, David Johnson. 
I'm going to probably just go with David Cobb. I mean, I comped him. You know, yep. I just think that it's, like I said, it's a watered-down version. I'm going to stick with uh, David Cobb. He'd probably be my number two pick. Yeah. Yep. The Run. easy answer here for me would be to say my boy Mike Davis, but I'm actually not going to say Mike Davis. I'm actually going to say Cameron Artis Payne. And the reason I'm going to say that is because oh, you, know, you know I love the SEC. That's a good one. I'm digging that, deep, that, I'm digging deep for a no- number of reasons, and that's because I think – he can legitimately be their bell cow running back. Wow, I mean, absolutely. he led the SEC in, in rushing yards last year. I mean, this guy's the real deal. And, I, and how many times do we have to be teased with Jonathan Stewart? And he lets us down. We he has a three or four good games, and all of a sudden he's on the <laughs> shelf. He's you on the sideline. You can side put line. it in the bank that you know. I call him uh, Cap. Um, Cap. You know, see, yeah, Cap is going to be you know, is going to be in there starting at least a handful of games this year. If you don't think that's happening, you're out of your damn mind. I mean, we know enough about Stewie at this point where he's going to miss some time. Um, yeah, have, and, the hand, have the handcuff ready. That's a great one, Ron. I want to change my answer. I, Ron, <laughs> stealing my thunder, man. I was hoping nobody else was on to him. I was just hoping. Yeah. No, I'm definitely onto him. He's my he's my third round. I gotta have him. I bet I actually took him pretty early in the last startup mock we just did. Yeah. So shoot. So this next. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, no. So this next question comes from 14 Team Mocker. It's at 14 Team Mocker. He says, uh, in a startup for the price, what vet slash rookie stacks do you like? I, and he gives us some examples: Ellington and David Johnson. Jonathan Stewart and Cap. Any others? Thanks. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to, I, hmm. Adrian Peterson and Jarek McKinnon in a North Turner system. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, Forset and Buck Allen. There you go. <laughs> Forset I, that's, Buck I think, I think, honestly. My yeah, my, I mean my favorite is Ellington and David Johnson. He has it listed. That's my favorite one. So yeah, me too. Yeah, that's got to be my favorite one as well. Ron, who do you what do you think? Cap and Jay Stu? Huh? I'm gonna have to go Cap and Jay Stu. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like Hyde and Mike Davis. Call me crazy. No, that's not a bad one. Mike Davis is arguably the most well-rounded running back in this draft. I mean, he's solid. He'd be a top. He would have been a top five guy last year easily, probably top three. Yeah, exactly. So. Two questions left. All right, pick one: Jeremy Hill, C.J. Anderson, or Lashawn McCoy. Dynasty. I'm taking Jeremy Hill all day. Yeah, I think I'd go with Jeremy Hill because yeah, I think McCoy's probably got what three, four years. I, especially the way Buffalo's probably going to run this guy. I mean, honestly, I thought McCoy looked like shit last year. I thought he looked like Bishop Sankey, and I didn't think he got away with the tap dancing like he did previous years. And I'm not a hundred percent sold that he's going to, you know, not continue his, you know, lack of elite production in Buffalo. I think they're going to use him a crap ton, but. You know, there was a lot of hesitation in that guy's game last year, and I'm not 100% sold on him by yeah. any means. I mean, McCoy is so. one of those guys that if he goes off next year and is like the number one fantasy running back, I'm not surprised. No, but right. I based I on just, volume. Yeah, a volume. That's exactly right. what will make it happen. But no, yep. I go, I go with Jeremy Hill. Ron, do you definitely you, Jeremy Hill? Not even a question. Right. Yep. 
Last question from the same guy. I forgot to even mention his name. Travis Teshner, at Travis Teshner. Build a trio of running backs from this group. Hill, McCoy, Anderson, Gurley, Gordon, Crowell. So you might need to write those down. Yeah, say those again. Yeah. So uh, Jeremy Hill, LaShawn McCoy, C.J. Anderson, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon and Isaiah Crowell. <sighs> ah, shoot. I I'm mean, going Gordon Gurley. That's why I'm probably leaning. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm, the only one I'm struggling with is McCoy and Gordon. Those sure. are the only two I'm going back and forth with. But, yeah, Hill, Gurley, and then I guess for me you can flip a coin with Gordon and McCoy. And then Ron, no, no doing, camera no, no is pain. Okay. You need a calculator, Ron? No, we're doing it in, in order, number one, right? We're just doing any three. Just any, any three. three. Well, yeah, it would be definitely be Hill, Gordon, Gurley for me. All right. All right. All right. So wait a minute. Right. Let's all make sure that we all have a pulse still. So, it's just, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that that literally does it Ooh. for us. I, I, don't know, I don't know how much more we We made it in before Midnight Central Time, anyway. Yeah, well, it's one oh. one a.m. where I am. So, <laughs> so before you head out, Dan, tell us yeah. tell us where we can find you. Tell us a bunch of good stuff about you. Yeah, man. Uh, stop by Twitter at uh, Burgundy B U R G A N D Y underscore or DFW. Um, you can hit me up on on DFW. You can look for Burgundy. I'm writing all the time. Um, come over to Dynasty Football Warehouse, guys. Um, everybody gets a free few articles and paid views every single month, but we are absolutely kicking out content that is absolutely just top notch. Um, the memberships will pay for your site. Uh, the, the uh, articles will pay for themselves just in winnings. I mean, our, our IDP article is unbelievable. If you're checking out IDP for the first time and want to know, I've never uh, played. Oh my God. Go check out. It's a free article. You can read it on the site. It's uh, in our IDP 101 article. I mean, this is the absolute crown jewel of how to, do, you know, how to put yourself in a position to dominate the you know, first IDP league ever from a strategy, draft strategy, how to set up your league, everything. I mean, we're just putting in work like crazy, guys. I mean, um, it's, it's, a great team environment. And the best thing that I can honestly say about DFW is we've made it a point to be nice. We are a great community. We are a family. We have no stupid questions. We believe our forum moderators make sure that everyone is welcome. A lot of times you can get really clicky and snippy, you know, little communities because you're not thinking like me or thinking like there, you know, heaven forbid you have Tyler Lockett at 2.07. How stupid can you be type situations? <laughs> There's none of that shit at DFW. None of it. it. Our whole intention is here's the thought process. Take it or leave it. We're going to try to make guppies into sharks. That's what we do. And, uh, you know, and we enjoy it because our intention is if we help you get better, then why aren't you going to stick around and be a part of our community? So. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you got to be pretty decent. You stuck around with us on a podcast for I don't know how long this was. But, yeah, guys, follow me. It was a lot of fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Just yeah, one he, quick shout-out. I want to shout-out to uh, Joshua Johnson for getting this guy right here, Dan Burgundy, on the show, man. You rocked it out tonight, Dan. Thanks for coming on. You guys, too. 
You guys too. Let's do it again. I hope you like. Oh my yeah. Stat. I hope you like my stats. But I did, man. But yeah, you can. So you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Richard Janvrin, last name spelled J A N V R I N. Follow Ron on Twitter at Mad Dog FF. Follow our podcast on Twitter at FP underscore Dynasty Pod, and follow the site that makes this all possible. That's Fake Pigskin at Fake Pigskin. Have a great night, everybody. I'm going to bed. Good night. <laughs> 